live from everywhere USA. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who did not attack U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria. Check this out. A new report showing that two American bases coming under fire last week, and we're just finding out about it this week. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? I do not know. We're awaiting further details from the Pentagon, uh, but it sounds like some Iranian-backed militants took time out from their busy schedules of shagging goats to send us a couple of rockets. Just to be clear, that shagging goats part is not from the Pentagon report. They didn't actually like accuse all of them of doing that. After all, some of them are into other animals over in that region. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of a chippy show. Uh, it is Wednesday, but we are packing the foil, getting ready to play some old-style hockey over here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! No, a lot going on. 888-788-9910, uh, you know the rules. Uh, they're the same every day, no matter what the mood is, no matter how caffeinated I may or may not sound on a given day. Right now, I'm actually not caffeinated at all. I'm just happy to be alive. Uh, I, I took mass transit into New York City today. This could be a problem. Seriously, you got to have hand speed. You want to ride the subway in 2023? If you can't punch with both hands, like you're probably not going to make it to your destination. That's true. That is true. What a dumb time to be alive. But yes, the rules remain the same. Uh, there is no barrier for intellectual entry to this show. There is no ideological cover charge. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, man. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Be a Libertarian. You could be an Independent. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a... Boom! So there we go. Happy Wednesday. Fired up. Uh, I'm going to get some stand-up dates out of the way really quick uh, because this show's about to go completely off the rails and the people tuning in are going to be like, this guy's not a comedian. This is like a crazy person. He has a hostage tied up in the corner for sure. Uh, listen, really quickly. I'm going back out onto the road. Tickets went on sale today. I put them all over my social media. So if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you may already know this. Uh, but November the 11th, Kennedy and myself are making the final appearance on the Laughs and Liberty Torch, your last chance to see us. We are at the Stanley Theater in Utica. If you're listening on WIBX, this is your Super Bowl. Okay? Chicken Riggies, Utica Greens, all the Saranac beer you can drink. <laughs> Following week, Thursday night, I'm at the Patriot Awards down in Nashville, Tennessee at the Opryland Convention Center. That's a big, flashy Fox News event, uh, but I will be there if you want to see me in action opening the show. And then the next night, uh, I will be in Naples, Florida. Hey, girl, at the Off the Hook Comedy Club. Friday night, November the 11th. Excuse me? Friday night, November the 17th. Saturday night, November the 18th. Going to be a banger. Uh, and then you will see me December the 2nd at the Carson Nugget out in Carson, Nevada. Getting the band back together with Dean and Jerry Evans and the whole Barnyard Jamboree. So buckle up, Buttercup, because Reno, here we come. <laughs> Thank you. No, be excited. And last but not least, uh, I will be. And I am excited to be appearing Saturday night, December 16th at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. 
Me, Sully, the gang, uh, it is my first appearance down in Palm Beach. We may stop by and get drunk at Mar-a-Lago afterwards, uh, depending on whether or not I feel like getting my name added to an FBI watch list. Uh, But one way or the other, it's a Saturday night in Palm Beach, December 16th, night before my birthday. It is going to get rowdy. Okay, now for the non-rowdy, really quick, some housekeeping. The most... And I mean this. This is funny. If you go through my social media, I'm talking emails of people who, like, literally contact me through LinkedIn, like, not my direct email. Facebook, my private Facebook, my regular Facebook, DMs on Twitter, the occasional DM I get on Instagram. I don't really get a lot of messages on Instagram. I just get Lincoln, uh, who messages me from time to time when I post a video, and he's calling me fat. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. That is. That's most of my Instagram videos. What's the matter? They don't have any spanks at Fox News? Tell my kid talks to me. Get him out of here. Get him out. But the most consistent personal message I get, the most consistent personal message I ever get uh, is crazy. But people will reach out, and this happens at shows all the time. People say, hey, I love those goofy song parodies that you play on your little radio show. Where could I get those parodies? Uh, the answer, uh, sadly, after today... Uh, is nowhere. It is not a me thing, uh, and it is not a Fox thing. Uh, but because we were doing song parodies, like some high-profile artists, and the show has gotten big enough, there are now legal considerations. And we're being told we have to pursue other channels if we want to continue to play uh, our song parodies on the air, which right now we really don't have the legal permission to do anymore. What the I don't know, but I just wanted to save myself 5,000 Facebook messages this week because you guys are very supportive of that, and I think it's amazing. And what we may do is incorporate some of it into our live act, Uh, but we're living, I don't know if you know this, in a pretty litigious society right now. And this show, growing at the rate it has, thank you, uh, and I don't doubt that the songs have been a big part of its growth, uh, but we will continue to incorporate comedy into the show in other ways, basically because everybody in this country feels like they're on the verge of snapping right now. Never hit anyone in anger unless you're absolutely sure you can get away with it. Yeah, it's great advice. Uh, But as it pertains to the songs, don't hit anyone in any way, shape, or form. Uh, You may see them on social media. We may bring them over to the live shows. uh, But we have to play a little defense on the air. So do me a favor because I am... Uh, I don't know anyone in media, anyone, uh, at any level of media that returns personal messages on the level that I do. Like, I'll spend a Saturday returning 400 messages, okay? Uh, Do me a favor. uh, Don't message me about this because I just don't have an answer at the moment. Uh, We'll get you one, and we'll work on it, and it matters. But I didn't want to, you know, set myself up for a Saturday being like, where's the freaking songs, Jimbo? So could you give a brother a break? That's all I ask. (laughs) All right, now to the adulting. You people in your silly show tunes. <laughs> Seriously, what is going on in the world right now? Uh, that we can't we can't burst into song, uh, but let's talk about it. Okay, this report that's coming out of Washington right now about our troops being attacked on o- o- October the eighteenth. I can't even get the words out, and we're finding out this week. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Okay, first of all, it's terrible, but according to the Pentagon Press Secretary, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, he suggested the attacks were backed by Iran as tensions in the Middle East increase amid Israel's war with Hamas. 
Okay, meaning, yes, we got the gift of rockets and drones and mortar fire from the people in Iran who continue to get money from us. Country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. The biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, okay, that is using its proxies and Hezbollah and Hamas to attack Israel is, of course, attacking our military installations as well. Okay, and we've got a Biden foreign policy doctrine that's not much better than Barack Obama's foreign policy doctrine. Don't be thick, all right? But be honest. Barack Obama, okay, gave $50 billion of cash assets to the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But Biden, for all intents and purposes, in laying off the oil sanctions and, of course, sending them a $6 billion ransom payment for the exchange of five hostages, basically put a bounty on the head of every American in the Middle East if you know you can get billions of dollars for them. Hence the point that people keep taking our folks hostage over there. I think he's got a point. Yeah. And you know what the point is? The point is Biden sucks. Okay, it's a disaster. So basically the Pentagon was trying to hide this. Okay, and there is a reason for that. The first one being, okay, we're trying, it would seem, to avoid a wider spread conflict in the region. Okay, we're trying not to get dragged into a World War III, but our weakness is what's emboldening people to pursue something that resembles a World War III. That is correct. Okay, it's a mess. But when our troops get attacked— Okay, and we don't tell the American public for a week. It very much gives the appearance that they're trying to hide this for other reasons. It's another red line being crossed. We keep saying things like, oh, we'll hold Iran accountable and we're not going to take any nonsense against our own people. That's what Biden keeps saying. You are so full of it's what John Kirby keeps saying. Okay, here was Kirby. This is crazy. Talking about how it, seriously we take the attacks on our troops. Clip two. We remain deeply concerned by the potential for future attacks on our, our troops. As you're right, we've seen, and I'm, I'm guesstimating here, but it's about a dozen over the last several days. Um, and as a result, tragically, one uh, U.S. contractor died as a result of a heart attack from sheltering. Uh, so it's... Uh, potentially a dangerous environment and we're taking it very very seriously oh man you suck you jackass so john kirby says the dangerous environment we're taking attacks on our troops very very seriously that is a fact check false now why can i say that's a fact check false come on jimbo don't fake news us right out of the gate you already killed the show tunes now you're gonna mow down the truth no ma'am here is brigadier general pat Ryder at the pentagon telling us yesterday that U.S. forces have been attacked at least 13 times since October the 17th. 13 times. You're finding out today. Does it sound like John Kirby's telling the truth when he says we take these attacks very, very seriously? The answer would be no. No. And you want to know why? Because we're the big dog. Okay? And if we were taking attacks seriously... There would be no more attacks. None. Okay. One attack. Okay. One attack. It's taken seriously enough that you don't live to see two attacks. I think he's got a point. Yeah. And the point is everyone in the White House sucks. Here's the Brigadier General clip four. Between October 17th and the 24th, U.S. and coalition forces have been attacked at least 10 separate times in Iraq 
and three separate times in Syria uh, via a mix of one-way attack drones and rockets. Think about that. Okay, so you're talking about a Biden administration that has kept quiet to the public for 13 attacks on our troops. You have no idea how to defend a nation. No, they're terrible. Okay, but they continue to fund places like Iran. Okay, the humanitarian aid yesterday, if you heard the Biden quote, Biden speaking. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. He's actually scheduled to have a presser today with the Australian prime minister uh, at 1.15. We will take it midway through the show. Tim Scott's coming on from South Carolina. He'll be the opening act for Joe Biden at the White House. But Biden said yesterday that the aid in Gaza isn't getting to the civilians fast enough. Are you stupid or something? Oh, wait, really? Hold on. So the... The goods that we're giving to the terror group that always takes every dollar we give them and spends it on missiles isn't actually taking the goods we're giving to them and handing them off to the civilians. That's Joe Biden's complaint. Hey, we trusted that terror group and that terror group isn't keeping their word. What would you do with the brain if you had one? Great question to ask at the press conference. Okay, but this is the reality right now. Okay, when you look out at the Middle East. Okay, John Ratcliffe, the former director of national intelligence, he said as much. uh, Here it is. Clip seven. Throughout 2020, um, the Iranian uh, the the Iranian military leaders and political leaders were telling us as we listened in on their conversations, we're broke. We can't afford to fund Hamas. We can't afford uh, to fund Hezbollah. We can't afford to pay our proxies to engage in this mayhem. All of that intelligence, which spoke so clearly Um, was shared with the Biden administration uh, as they came in and they ignored the intelligence in the Middle East. And and now we're on, you know, uh, it's not being hyperbolic to say we're on the verge of 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 a war in the Middle East. I got a bad feeling about this. It's impossible not to when you see the rank stupidity running the country. Okay, Donald Trump was up in Derry, New Hampshire in between court appearances. Here he is talking about Iranian sanctions. Clip six. If you will not enforce sanctions against Iran, then you do not stand with Israel. It's that simple. It's all about Iran. It's not about these others. It's all about Iran. They know everything that's going on. They probably laid out the game plan. And Joe Biden won't do it. I wonder how much money he's receiving from Iran, do you think? Gets a lot from China. That we know. But I will do it. When I came into office, Iran had $70 billion in foreign exchange reserves. It was loaded up with money. That's from Obama. Its piggy bank, its piggy bank was full, and it was also full of terrorists. By the time I left, they had nothing. Oh, man. So Trump actually invoking uh, some allusions to the Biden family business overseas. Are you the big man, Joe? Uh, We do not know. Uh, So far, the president yet to respond to Trump. Uh, He is getting ready for a press conference. But the reality is he's right. Okay, the sanctions that were failing to enforce against Iran are what's ultimately enabling them to attack our staunchest ally in the region in Israel. Do you understand Israel is the only country in that region that shares our values, period, period. Okay, I'm talking our overarching values like women going to libraries, women driving cars, gay couples getting married. Okay, if you're a gay couple and you get married in Gaza, they throw you a special after party right on the bridge. 
Okay, so this idea that we shouldn't be standing shoulder to shoulder with our only ally in the region is insanity, number one. But number two, you realize we're funding their opposition. And their opposition is not only attacking Israel, but now they're attacking us. Biden is such a disaster. Jimmy Fallon. He's got great charisma. Yeah. He's always dressed fantastic. He has what I call it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. Boom! There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Busy Wednesday. Tim Scott's going to be here. He is running for president. He is number one in our hearts. It's about number 12 in the polls, if we're being honest right about now. I love Tim Scott. Uh, I don't know how this is going to play, play out, but he's going to have to answer some tough questions today about what the future holds for this Republican primary process. I mean, if you look at the scoreboard right now, it's over. Donald Trump's up by about 50 points. It doesn't really look like there's any reason for other people to be running because the more legal peril Trump gets into, the stronger his grip on the party becomes. I don't think this is what the Democrats were going for when they started to indict him like crazy. I thought this would be the beginning of the end, or at least that's what they thought. Uh, But lo and behold, uh, the Trump man, just keeps expanding his lead. Now, there is the reality that pretty much everybody who worked for him in 2020 is now testifying against him. We have reports now about Mark Meadows as well. And uh, there is the reality that he could be convicted of multiple counts in Georgia and physically sent to jail, which may change the calculus in the primaries. Wrong. The only thing I can draw on, okay, just so we're all on the same page, is that the big donors are continuing to give money to other people. And they wouldn't be throwing their money into a fire if they thought there wasn't a scenario where Trump wouldn't be on the ballot. Doesn't mean he's not going to be on the ballot. It just means I'm one of the few people with a national show that has the courage to acknowledge that reality, (laughs) knowing I might get a stamp of angry callers saying, how dare you? Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes you have to do that. And it's not to say he won't get the nomination. We'll find out. Okay, the the bottom line is anybody, and I do mean anybody, is better than what you got in there right now. Tell them like it is. I mean, just weapons grade stupid. The press conference was supposed to happen at 1230. We've just been told they've pushed it back 45 minutes. Apparently Biden's B12 hasn't kicked in, you know, the stuff that helps him talk. 
in complete sentences and not make up words. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A couple of things to report. Uh, Time sensitive anyway. The president was scheduled to speak today at 1230 Eastern. That's been back 45 minutes. And the Republicans uh, who were given a majority in the House of Representatives last November still don't have a House speaker Right now, as we get on the air, I mean, man, oh boy, oh man, Uh, the hot rumor, hot rumor is that Mike Johnson could ultimately get this nomination. He is the speaker elect. But before you get too excited and start taping up the boxes and throwing them on the dolly and moving them down to the hall to the speaker's office. Okay, let's not forget there's been about five people that have gone before him as the speaker-elect nominee, whatever we're calling it at this point. We were promised yesterday that they were going to go into that chamber and come out with a speaker. Instead, that was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. It was. Okay, um, I don't hate Mike Johnson. Uh, In fact, one of my favorite audio clips of the past year was him interrogating Christopher Wray uh, about misinformation and the government's interference with big tech and the censorship of speech. He has had good offensive moments, uh, but I'm just telling you as a party, they're missing the boat here. And I mean that only because like a guy like Jordan, a guy like Byron Donald's, Okay, I understand that they aren't superior fundraisers to a guy like Kevin McCarthy. But I think if you ask the average voter, we don't want a superior fundraiser because the truth is the superior fundraisers are bought and paid for already. That's true. That is true. If somebody's got every donor connection on Earth, you know what else that means? That means they have every donor agenda in the back of their mind. You're absolutely right. So the point is, okay, people can cobble together fundraising, okay, and I understand that's what makes D.C. go round, but it's not what makes the rest of us go round because the fundraising doesn't help you and it doesn't help me. Why are they raising money constantly in Congress? Because they have to keep running for reelection because of the short length of the terms. But the reality is that endless hamster wheel of fundraising means they've got to go out in order to keep the checks coming in and act on behalf of the special interest donating to them. This is politics as usual. Okay, so I don't necessarily need somebody who is a darling of the donor class because that means they're not acting on their people's whims so much as they're acting on their donors' whims, okay? Knowing that the grassroots Republican voter loves a guy like Jim Jordan, loves a guy like Byron Donalds, I, th- I thought, and foolishly, but I always want to believe the Republican Party and the higher-ups can see some of the logic that would help them. And what I mean by that is I always hope that they are more in touch with the electorate than they happen to be, okay? You know, a good example of this would be uh, 2016 is a good example. Trump's running for president. You know, whether anybody took him serious out of the gate or not, I certainly didn't. Uh, I don't know many syndicated radio hosts who did. 
Uh, but the reality is, as Trump's momentum surged and grassroots voters were turning out to his rallies in record numbers, the higher ups in the Republican Party were going to try to take the nomination away from him at a brokered convention. That's just how white folks will do you. That was the plan. OK, if you remember, in the primaries of 2016, the RNC had put together a website explaining to voters how a brokered convention would work and what they were hoping to do was get to the floor in Cleveland that year with no candidate having amassed enough delegates to cross the nominating threshold, at which point it could go to a floor vote and individual state delegates could vote for whoever they wanted, meaning not Donald Trump. Correct the mundo. But lo and behold, Trump wound up grabbing the nomination before the party leaders could screw him out of it. But understand what they're demonstrating in that moment is, you know, think about Trump, whatever you think about Trump. It doesn't matter. It's not my job. okay? but understand what they were failing to realize and grasp was how much passion was behind the candidacy of a man who actually spoke with a genuine interest in middle class issues. Okay, everybody else gets up there and speaks in shining generalizations with a beautiful city on the hill and we should be building bridges, not walls, not Trump. He was like, not all Mexicans ripping us off. They're sending all the criminals they don't want in their country. <laughs> Drugs, crime, rapists, and the arrest, I assume, are good people. That was the actual line. What the hell did you just say? That's what he said. Okay, but the Democrats tried to repackage it as Donald Trump said, all Donald Trump claims all Mexicans are drug dealers and rapists, which he didn't say. But when they started to disingenuously reframe his remarks, which, to be clear, weren't very polished, It took the people who already supported Trump and it fueled their passion that much more because they could see how big media was controlling the narrative around elections. And they were sick of it. And the Republicans wanted nothing to do with Trump as a candidate because he wasn't an establishment politician, not somebody they could control, not somebody who was tapped into every donor member in the Beltway. Okay, and they wanted nothing to do with that. That's why if you notice in the aftermath of Trump being indicted 91 times, okay, there's nobody in Republican leadership that's actually fighting that hard to help the guy. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. Okay, when was the last time you heard like a Mitch McConnell of the world be like, don't do that? Is Mitch McConnell's? The answer would be no. No, and nobody running against him says it either because they want him to go to jail. Don't you wonder? No one's like leveling with people, and that's the part that drives me nuts. Okay, the reason everybody is running for the Republican nomination and they're not dropping out is they're hoping Trump will go to jail. There'd be no other reason for them to stay in. They're hoping he goes to jail in a manner in which the public trial damages his appeal enough that in the general, the party won't even consider him, at which point all of these second tier candidates have a big leg forward. Okay, there are people that could seriously win this nomination. Okay, especially if there's no Trump in the race. Nikki Haley could win the race. Wrong. Ron DeSantis could win the race. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Stop it. Okay, but he could. Okay, even a guy like Tim Scott, who's going on offense a little bit. Okay, the truth is, with no Trump in the race, it's anybody's ballgame. And the reason donors continue to write checks is they are very much looking out at a world where there's no Trump in the race. Okay, that's reality. Not a lot of people are telling you that. But understand, the big donors, okay, who want their interests represented in Washington— Number one, aren't giving it to Trump anyway because he's not the lobbyist darling, okay? But number two, they do believe there's an avenue in which somebody's the president other than him. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's not what that means. But understand, the Republican Party 
okay, wants nothing to do with Trump running again. You know what else they want nothing to do with? Grassroots Republicans like Jim Jordan and Byron Donalds. They want a status quo in Washington. The continuing resolutions we keep complaining about, instead of passing a budget, we just pass a CR. Well, every 45 days we'll fund the budget a little more. And essentially we'll keep spending, uh, we'll continue spending at the current level, even though we're $33 trillion in debt. And then we can negotiate anything else we want to add to the spending. That is financial lunacy. Okay, but that's what we've been doing now for about half a decade. Okay, and every one of these big bills that comes down the night before they vote on it is 12,000 pages long, and nobody can even look at what's in the bill. Understand, the biggest climate change bill in the history of our country wasn't even titled as a climate change bill. It was titled the Inflation Reduction Act. What a fraud. Total fraud. And they voted it right through, and when they were done, they were like, hey, wow, look at all the inflation reduction. Man, we are making some moves over here on the inflation. But were they making any moves to actually lower inflation? <laughs> but that's how politics happen in Washington. Now, what I was hoping is the Republican Party, knowing they're not going out of their way to protect Trump, and that's fine. They don't owe any individual candidate their loyalty. But at the same time, if you're trying to mobilize your base, if you're trying to har- harvest the passion and harness the passion of your voters— you'd probably want to appeal to their sensibilities. So even if you're not going to the mattresses for Trump, maybe a Jim Jordan, maybe a Byron Donalds, somebody your voters actually care about is a good move. Okay, because I'm telling you now, the Republican Party underachieved spectacularly in the midterm elections. Supposed to have what? We're going to walk away from the midterms with big majorities in the Senate and the House. Not even close. Okay, the red wave. The red wave was a damp rag. It wasn't a wave. It was like when you take a rag and twist it and twist it and twist it and you finally get a drop of water out of it. That was the red wave. The party spectacularly underachieved. They didn't have the passion on their side, okay, that the Democrats did across the aisle. And you understand in this moment as we head forward to the next election, the next general, okay, all the way down the ballot. This is a party that suffers from a passion problem because they're not catering to the sentiments of their voters. They're catering to the sentiments of their donors. That's how politics always work. But in seasons past, the parties would at least pretend that they cared what the voters had to say. They don't even do that anymore. Like if you were to poll voters, Jim Jordan, okay, for the role he plays in these oversight and judiciary hearings where you see him interrogating guys and really taking to case against a lot of the BS and the weaponization of our, our, our government, Jim Jordan has become a cult hero in the Republican Party to rank and file voters. He just straight up has. Okay, Byron Donalds, who's just a young, brilliant guy, okay, also a guy very popular with Republicans because he's better at articulating Republican policies than just about anybody. So even though he doesn't have the fundraising wherewithal of, you know, establishment Republicans, the reality is he's great at selling the ideas. And if you can get out there and sell the ideas, you can cobble the votes together. And if you can cobble the votes together, you can advance legislation in Washington. Instead, we've got people, by and large, okay, that can do what? They can get checks from donors. And then they can find creative ways to reward the donors for their donations. And then they can do it all again in two years when they got to run for reelection. It's a really, um, I got to tell you, I don't want to say it's a fool's errand, but it's a disastrous way of doing business. But this is status quo Washington. We're $33 trillion in debt. 
the party that now has the power of the purse doesn't even have a House speaker to wield that power. Okay, but tell me again, you owe these politicians your loyalty in any way, shape, or form. Okay, I hate, detest the team sport of politics because the team is not supposed to be Republican. The team is not supposed to be Democrat. The team is supposed to be America. Freedom! Okay, but not a lot of people are playing America first ball in Washington right now. Playing American money first ball in Washington. Everybody likes a donation from a lobbyist or a hooker in a hotel room. Hubba, hubba. Oh, if you knew the level of dirtbaggery going on in Washington, D.C. Oh, my goodness gracious. But that's the reality of right now. Okay, you don't have a Biden press conference, but I can't really yell at the guy for being 45 minutes late because the party I belong to has a House speaker that's like four weeks late. So what am I supposed to do? Either way I look, it's Steelers wheel, you know, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in Congress with you. Critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to have Tim Scott with us at the top of the next hour. Uh, Tim Scott, his Dallas Cowboys hanging in there. I don't know if he has a team in the World Series, but I know our KTBB listeners do. They are fired up for those Texas Rangers. Uh, And, of course, last night, the Philadelphia Philly fans listening on WPHT. I got not a lot of Philly fans uh, in this area. Of New York between the ongoing battles with the Mets, the fact that the Yankees had to rough them up in the 2009 World Series. And uh, I had to drive a cab three hours after leaving Yankee Stadium with my mom, my Aunt Fran, my Uncle Sonny and my brother Mike. uh, When we finally finished drinking and reveling in the upper deck of Yankee Stadium, uh, I had to make my way down to the taxi garage and start a 12 hour shift. This could be a problem. Uh, Listen, man, I got some good sleep uh, at red lights (laughs) and made it through the shift in one piece. Uh, The country not feeling uh, like it's in one piece. We're very fractured in this moment. It's something we're going to talk to Tim Scott about is today is a national walkout on college campuses across the country. I'm surrounded by idiots. Okay, there piggybacking off the sentiments of the past few weeks where the people who speak the reductive language of identity politics have reduced the Israeli conflict to a divide between oppressors and the oppressed, the colonizers and the colonized. It's all stupid word salad designed to establish a moral equivalency between Israel and Hamas, meaning, oh, look, of course Hamas is beheading babies and attacking unarmed civilians. They're colonized or they're oppressed. That's what they go with, as if there's any configuration of state that would justify the beheading of babies. Okay, but that's what's coming out of the modern college campus. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Seriously, I make fun of myself all the time because I went to community college. But community college is a brilliant idea, and I always draw that distinction. It's a good way to get affordable credits. You can transfer them if you go into a four-way, four-year school. But more importantly, you don't get saddled with a half a million dollars in debt, and nobody at a community college is going to go out of their way to teach you to hate America. We're not going to sit here 
and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. Okay, but the bottom line is, uh, you know, there are colleges out there that will. And I don't doubt there's a liberal arts professor somewhere at a community college just the same uh, who is also going to say some anti-American nonsense. You are correct, sir. But it needs to stop, okay? And here is Ron DeSantis uh, talking about the fact that he will cancel student visas of foreign students. I want to get Tim Scott's take on this. So here's DeSantis, clip 21. I think what this terrorist attack in Israel has shown us is we're vulnerable from all the people that have come illegally because they have come from Iran, too. It's not just Mexico, Central America, Russia, China, Middle East, all that stuff. But I think what we also saw when the blood wasn't even dry on the Israelis who had been massacred, you had people in America going out protesting in favor of Hamas. And that's like very chilling. Some of these people are not U.S. citizens. They're student visas. So as president... If you're on a student visa and you're a foreigner and you're out there celebrating terrorism, I'm canceling your visa and I'm sending you home. Now, listen, that does enter a slippery slope when it comes to speech rights. But at the very least, we shouldn't be giving endowments to colleges like Harvard that have about a $500 billion endowment and are teaching kids to hate America. That's not right. It's disgusting. But you understand what DeSantis is saying in that moment is in the immediate aftermath of the slaughter of innocent unarmed Israelis. This is not a military conflict where it's you know army against army. Okay? This is Hamas militants against people at a dance party. That's where this thing started. But understand, okay, with that being the case, The mobilization on college campuses has not been one to condemn the attack and murder of unarmed civilians. The people, the people, the college campuses that ban speakers who claim that men can't have babies, which is a statement of fact, biological men uh, cannot have a baby. Uh, I mean, seriously, if a biological man can have a baby, where's it coming out of? You've only got two options. Neither of them are good. Seriously. But the reality is the college students that want you to ban a speaker who says man can't have babies are out there cheering on speakers and Hamas militants who are beheading babies. It's disgusting. Okay, and every candidate should condemn it, including Tim Scott. We'll see what he says next. Live from everywhere, USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Yes, it is, and we are back in action with an absolute embarrassment of radio riches in this hour. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Okay, that is the phone number if you want to be a part of the show. Also, the phone number if you don't want to be a part of the show. If you just want to call up and be like, you know what? I listened to the last hour of this broadcast, and i got to be honest. You suck. Yeah, a lot of tough love out there in the streets, but you should be warned that if you do join the show later in this hour, uh, you will have a very prestigious opening act because joining us now at the tippy top of the hour, a superstar senator that's running to be the president of the United States. I am talking about South Carolina's own Tim Scott. Hey, man. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. I love your introduction. God bless you. 
this is an interesting time in America and, frankly, world affairs, Jimmy. Oh, man. You know, they say in sports you got to play the teams on the schedule. Uh, well, if you're the president of the United States, you got a heck of a schedule right now, do you not? I tell you what, brother, you're talking about the Eastern Europe, you look at the Middle East, Indo-Pacific, you've got challenges in South America in our backyard, and we certainly have a wide-open, insecure, unsafe southern border. And all because of one reason, because Republicans, we need to win elections, because (laughs) Joe Biden's devastation coming to America, we have to have a Republican Party that is undivided, because a divided Republican Party leads right to socialism. Now, is there any world where we could play that message on the floor of the United States House of Representatives? Jimmy, I thought you were broadcasting from the floor of the United States House <laughs> no, of Representatives. I, and that's why I said what I just said about the divisions in our party. Listen, and Jimmy, instead of us talking about Rocky Three, instead of us talking about the devastation of the economy, instead of us talking about the challenges of the southern border, instead of us talking about Israel, instead of us talking about Hamas, we're talking about... Why can't Republicans get their act together and elect a speaker? <laughs> it is embarrassing. Uh, does the President Tim Scott allow this to go on, or do you actually have to beat these guys up, crack some skulls a little bit if you were in office? You have to call them to the carpet. I said, and I'll say it again, put them in a room, lock the door, put a bucket inside, and don't come out until you have 218 out of 221 on the same page. Because it's not about the Republican Party. It's about the American people. And the thing that stands in the way of the American people having the taxes go down and not up, the thing that stands in the way of the American people experiencing the greatest energy revolution in the history of our country, is not the Democrats right now. It's our party. We have to get ourselves in a position where the American people say to us, We trust you to govern. We're watching and seeing that you guys can come together. When that happens, energy prices will go down because energy resources will go up. When that happens, the last few inches of that southern wall will be finished. And I mean hundreds and thousands of inches because under this administration, they're selling the construction material. But in quick, fast, and in a hurry, I'd finish the wall. We'd use technology from the military to surveil our wall. We would certainly refund the police. But we can't do any of those things, Jimmy. We can't stand with Israel shoulder to shoulder, back to back with no daylight, and get legislation passed through that gives resources to our ally in the Middle East if we don't have a speaker. Imagine South Carolina Senator Tim Scott on the line. Uh, He is running for your vote as president, making a lot of solid points. Let me ask you this really quick. As a presidential candidate, can you even take a side in the World Series? Because Arizona is a big state, but so is Texas. Do you you have to just do some diplomacy here? What's the move? You know, here's here's, here's how I'm going to decide which side to choose. Mm. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Fair. Texas. It's a big red state. Mm -hmm. Arizona, we need you, baby. I was in Yuma, Arizona, at the border, watching the devastation. (laughs) I got to tell you, I'm going with Arizona. They need a wall and a World Series. 
<laughs> Skanko with Arizona. I think honestly, I'm not a member of your of your team of your PR team, but I should be because I would have told you that the safe play was Texas, if only because the baseball passion in Arizona isn't that high. Our engineer was yes. telling us you could get a ticket for like 15 bucks to the playoff game the other night. You can afford to alienate those people, Tim Scott. Come on. Hey, listen, <laughs> we're we're, we're going to stick with football with the, with the Cowboys. Fair. We love Texas. Texas Fair. loves us. We're going to keep working really hard to close that southern border as mm. well. But here's what we have to do. Mm. We need to get every Texan, everyone in Arizona, to go to votetimscott.com. Chip in a dollar or five dollars. We are already beyond the four percent necessary to be on the debate stage, Jimmy. Boom. We just need a few more dollars. A few more. We, we need a few more contributors. We're already there. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this: uh, Having been on this debate stage a few times now, does half of it feel like you're starring in a Real Housewives episode on Bravo? With all the cat fighting. You know, and the other half feels like WWE wrestling. <laughs> so yeah. It is reality TV in in, in many ways, even though we are talking about incredibly important issues to the American people. And the food fight we see on the stage is oftentimes embarrassing, unnecessary, and not helpful. However, having a chance to talk about how this country freed a poor kid from the deep south like me is worth every ounce of energy. Having a chance to talk about the future of this nation is worth every fiber it takes to be on the stage and to travel this country to remind us that we are the only, only city on the hill. Well, that's a great point, and it's something that we know you spoke about in Chicago about the left and the weaponization of race, and I believe it was, you know, I think you called it the radical weaponization of race in inner cities and the whole desire for fatherless America. Um, You know, you're uniquely qualified to speak to that issue uh, because, you know, your career has amounted to so many things that the Democrats would have us know aren't even worth attempting, uh, given the current configuration of this country. Uh, Yeah. is, is the party, do you, do you almost feel like on some level we're underutilizing your storyline? Because your storyline refutes everything we're being told by the race pimps on the left. Absolutely, Jimmy. The one thing I know that you know that my life story destroys the lies of the radical left. This country is not a racist America. This country has evolved so far that a southern boy like me in the place where the Civil War started, won a race against Strom Thurmond's son in 2010. Why is that the case? Because America continues to look in the mirror and make good decisions. But the radical left, they're so fixated on power that they will use anybody, any issue, any group to maintain their political power, even if it requires dividing the American people. That's why having my voice in this race is absolutely essential, and it is the way that we have a Republican red wave. VoteTimScott.com is how the movement continues. Well, let me ask you this, okay? Yeah. Uh, knowing what we know and knowing there is a lot of passion out there for what, what you're doing, and, you know, you're in a good spot after two debates. You told me you qualified for the third debate. What is the long game? 
Okay, we know Trump is sitting on a lead right now. Is there an off-ramp for Trump? Are you guys quietly behind the scenes expecting him to go to jail? Like, what's the close-the-gap move? If we're in a locker room right now, heading into the—I yeah. I believe it's only the first quarter, so we shouldn't be in the locker room yet unless something went really wrong. <laughs> but if you are talking to the team on the sideline, what's the move right now? Well, here's the challenge. The challenge is a simple one. Keep the people in the stadium, i.e. the voters of America, Mm -hmm. engaged. The deeper you get in the game, the more interested the crowd becomes. They get on their feet in the fourth quarter. When two minutes are left, they're standing and they're shouting and they're screaming. The same thing happens in, in elections. The closer you get to election day, the more people pay attention. The goal is by the time we get to January 15th and then into New Hampshire and finally rounding the corner to the first and the south primary, the field will be whittling down. Mm-hmm. And with a field that whittles down, more Americans will pay attention to the contrast between the final candidates. Having an optimistic, positive candidate whose life story destroys the left, having an optimistic, positive candidate who wrote the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, providing the largest tax cut to the American people in the history of the country, is what will win. Having a candidate who can persuade independents who are conservative to join the great opportunity party is how we have the Reagan-like revolution that gives us a governing mandate and a supermajority in the House and a strong majority in the Senate. Bravo. And listen, man, I I tell anyone who will listen uh, that you could easily win the general election uh, simply by taking away the most prominent lane of attack the Democrats have. And the fact that you do have a very positive vision for the country and, you know, that's rare in this moment right now. Uh, So what I think we do, since me and you have spent so much time talking movies over the years, I think we got a back channel to NBC and you just got to get Trump like another reality show. Because I think if he brought back like (laughs) an apprentice, I think it'd be cool. Make a couple of bucks. You know what I mean? You could chime in and be a guest judge as president. Have you given that any thought? Well, you know, Jimmy, when we win in 2024, we will watch the president, the former president, on a reality show. We'll watch him do whatever it is he wants to do. One of the best ways to get a new NBC deal is for us to win in 2024. <laughs> so let's make sure we keep our eye on the ball. Let Love me tell all your, all your listeners one more time. Go to VoteTimScott.com. Give it a dollar, five dollars. Let's get this done. All right. Now, last question. And this is this is a direct you and me question for the donors to consider. Okay, you do. You are, uh, uh, you know, an out. uh, You're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Okay, you you are public about your affinity for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, should these donors that are going to go to Tim, vote Tim Scott dot com. Did I get that right? Say it right. So they get it right. Yes, sir. Vote Tim Scott dot. Okay, now, what would your campaign manager say to the idea that before they go to votetimscott.com, they take Uh-oh. whatever dollar amount they're going to donate, but they first bet it on the Cowboys this weekend laying six against the Rams? How confident are you in your Cowboys? Is it Cowboys or campaign? What are they telling you? You know, whenever given a choice, we have to go with America first. <laughs> Good for you. And let the, let the Rams and the Cowboys fight it out. But this week and today, we're going to take care of America first. <laughs> Good for you. Love talking to you, man. Keep playing good ball out there. Yeah, bless you, Jimmy. See you soon, man. The great Tim Scott. There he goes. Uh, I just want to give out the website uh, in case people didn't get it. It's votetimscott.com. 
uh, and you can make a donation today. Don't wait until Sunday and bet it on the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Not according to the biggest Dallas Cowboys fan I know. <laughs> He's like, hell no. Uh, you could actually hear the people, the campaign workers, like oh, almost if he was if he was going to say bet the Cowboys, they would have ripped the phone out of his hands. You would have heard another voice end the interview. <laughs> <laughs> but good for Tim Scott. And the one thing I will tell you about him is the thing I've been telling you about him for as long as I've known the guy. His storyline destroys the Democrats, like completely destroys their whole plan of attack when it comes to political discourse, which is vote for us or you're a bigot. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. But you could also hear the diplomacy of Tim Scott uh, in action. Because he wasn't going to take any shot at Trump, as you could hear, Uh, you know, whether we were talking about Trump getting a reality show or Trump going to jail. You know, he said something there, okay, by not saying something that tells you everything you need to know. I said, what do you say to the football team at the end of the first quarter, the end of halftime, given the score in the primaries? And he said, well, the number one goal right now is to keep all the fans in the stadium because the longer the game goes on, you know, the more passion, the more engagement. And he's not wrong about any of that. But what he was really showing you in that moment, you know, is what every Republican candidate is dealing with right now. They all want Trump off the stage. They can't say it because he has the largest percentage of the electorate and they don't want to become a supervillain. Uh, but they are banking on his supporters to ultimately support them if Trump is not in the race anymore. Wrong. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's the trick play everybody's trying to run right now. So Tim Scott, uh, a fa- fantastic diplomat. Uh, probably would have been a better interview if he gave out his website more, but I kid. I just got to give him a hard time because I love talking to him. VoteTimScott.com. You heard the man. We're back after this. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. House Speaker race underway right now in Washington. Fourth vote. Mike Johnson leading Hakeem Jeffries. 109 to 89. Not there yet, but a lot of standing ovations in the chamber right now. They gave one to Jeffries. They gave one to Tom Emmer. Basically, everyone who's been a candidate for speaker or has been speaker at one point, like McCarthy, has gotten a standing ovation. Uh, This current vote with no others, no other votes, no present votes very much has the early uh, feel of a confirmation for Johnson, who's now at 111. Uh, And if he gets to 215, that's the official number today, because some people aren't on the floor today. They're traveling. They're back in their districts. They've got family things to attend to. Or, you know, no in Congress. They're just hanging out with some lobbyists right now. Money, 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 money. That's all it is, man. D.C., that is all it is. Money and hookers. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. Fascinating town, that Washington, D.C. I'll be there this weekend, as a matter of fact. Hold on a second. I tell you guys everything. I did not tell you this. What a dirtbag radio buddy I am. Uh, This Saturday and Sunday. I will be in Washington, D.C. I will be at the Redskins game on Sunday. What the hell did you just say? The Commanders game on Sunday uh, with a Native American group that wants to bring back the Washington Redskins name. Uh, The reason I'm interviewing them as well as fans this weekend uh, is it is a part of a documentary 
that is in production right now about my book. Now, you guys don't know this because it's not public knowledge. We're not advertising it on TV or any of the TV shows yet, but I have a, a book coming out uh, early next year. And in an effort to raise awareness, uh, we're taping a one-hour special that will air on the Fox News Channel when the book comes out uh, in which I interview some of the subjects of the book uh, and people who were affected by some of the topics we discussed. So it's actually pretty fascinating. And uh, it's, a I got to be honest, a really funny book. <laughs> Whatever, it's pretty funny. But I thought it was okay. Okay, that's... You can't handle the truth! No, you're going to like it. It's a good book. Uh, if you like the show, if you like watching me do stand-up, which you can do, by the way, hold on, let's go. November 11th, I will be at the Stanley Theater in Utica, New York. I'm with Kennedy for that one. It is me and the K-Train doing a scared straight for America. Thanks, big government weenuses! November uh, 16th, I'm at the Patriot Awards down in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, 17th and 18th at the Off the Hook Comedy Club in Naples, Florida. Then you'll see me December the 2nd at the Carson Nugget, Carson City, Nevada. And then Saturday night, December the 16th, I will be at the Palm Beach Kennel Club paying off my losses at the dog track. But I am there appearing for real, and you're certainly welcome to come down. Anything's better than the clown show we're watching in Washington right now. Johnson currently at 123. Jeffrey's at 102. At least at this stage of the vote, we don't have any defectors who voted for like John Boehner or Mickey Mouse or any of the other stupid things we've seen happen so far. Johnson now at 126 to 102. We will continue to monitor this because we're running into a commercial break. But we got a lot going on. Uh, Tim Scott was just here. Daniel Turner's coming back next. Uh, we're going to talk about energy policy, specifically the fact that what we're doing in the name of green energy is ultimately what's financing most of the chicanery that's going on in the Middle East right now. And Daniel Turner, as the executive director of Power the Future, is going to explain to us why major auto workers like GM are now scaling back their commitment to electric vehicles because they're not only causing chaos on other sides of the world, but they're making it impossible for our economy to operate properly. It's a mess. Uh, we will clean it up with your calls, texts, tweets, and carrier pigeons after this. One sixty-three from Mike Johnson, Hakeem Jeffries trailing with one thirty-five. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. They are voting on a new House Speaker as we speak. We were also told Joe Biden would take a press conference today at twelve thirty with the Australian Prime Minister. <laughs> they then moved that back to one fifteen. <laughs> Okay, we are now sitting here a full 20 minutes later than that. Uh, I got to be honest. What's going on in this White House right now? That was embarrassing. It's so embarrassing because every time we need to do something on the world stage, it's a butt fumble. Okay, this is Biden's last approach to the microphone. Okay, I played some of this yesterday, but just to give you an idea of what I'm dealing with here as a nationally syndicated talk show host, <laughs> a guy who's in a good mood. I'm a silver lining guy. I get on the air. The world's on fire. I'm like, let's roast some radio marshmallows, you guys. It's going to be great. And some of you are like, yeah, that sounds fun. A lot of you are like, you know, you're a loony. I think this fella guy's nuts. Okay, but you'd be nuts, too, if you were covering this. So understand, Biden has to walk out two days ago. He has to give this speech 
okay, about Bidenomics because he is in charge. I keep forgetting I'm president. No, no, but he, I know he does, but he is in charge, okay? So here's Biden. He gets to the podium before the man who's supposed to introduce him. You understand? Like, I played that soundbite as a joke. Here, Biden, I keep forgetting I'm president. But he does forget he's president. Yeah, he goes out to the podium. When you're the president, every single time you speak, okay, this goes back to George Washington. Somebody goes, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. And they clap or they cheer or they boo, whatever they do. The president. Okay. Biden's been in D.C. since 1973. 1973. Okay. He has served under, I don't know, 10 presidents. Can we think about this? Because I don't know the, the give or take on Nixon when Biden got sworn in. Okay. But I'll name presidents. You got Nixon. Okay. You got Ford. You got Carter. You got Reagan. You got Bush. You got Clinton. You got Cheney. You got Obama. You got Trump, okay? He has served under all of those presidents and is now the president himself, according to what they tell us in the White House. Come on, don't bullshit me. But technically speaking, he is supposed to be the guy in charge. So as a guy who has served under that many presidents, who's been alive for that many more, he knows that every time the president of the United States gives a speech, somebody goes, the president, and a band plays, and you walk out, and people act excited about it. So here is Biden. Uh, supposedly, as president, going to get introduced to the world so he can give some remarks about the economy and Israel. Here is Biden taking to the mic before the introduction by accident. We have a president that is clearly not all there. And if you don't believe me, listen to clip 46. Good afternoon, folks. I'm not introducing me, Marcus. I forgot, Mark. I'm going yeah. I went straight to the podium. I apologize. No problem. Did you hear that? Good afternoon, folks. I'm not introducing me, uh, Marcus's. I forgot, Mark. I'm sorry. I went right. I went straight to the podium is what I did. Biden's lost his marbles. But I only highlight this over and over again because I want you to remember, okay, what we were told when he got elected, when the media, if you, oh, man, I love this one. Okay, when Biden got elected as president-elect, the first address he gave to the country resulted in this media montage. This was the collective reaction. Anybody who has any um, connection to reality about what is going on around them should have watched that and said, the adults are back in the room. It, It seems as though we have a... Uh, a professional adult once again in the White House who's just simply doing the work. Really, the the theme, I would say, is the adults are back. Still, it is a relief to have adults in charge. Now we have adults in the White House. Okay, the adults are back in the room. Um, There is a sense, I think, the world over that the adults have returned. We have an adult in the White House now, and it's glorious. have an adult in the room. Yeah, sorry about that, Mark. I uh, I introduced myself by accident. I forgot. Then what did he do? He wandered out mid-press conference and said he had to go to the Situation Room. Okay? Was there anything in the Situation Room? Nope. 
Did they give us a follow-up after the fact? Like, yeah, sorry, we cut the presidential event short. Uh, he had a situation to get to in the, you know, in the situation room. Did anyone come out and say that? The answer would be no. Of course not. Here is Biden. Just decides it's got to go. Clip 47. I apologize. I have to go to the situation room with another issue. I have to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> what is going on? The adults are back in the room. It's Biden and his vice president with her fake laugh. (laughs) Listen, man, I'm not saying this to you as a Republican. I'm saying this to you as an American. We're a laughing stock as a country. It's not my job to make you vote a certain way. I can't look at the Republican Party right now and tell you they're going to do any better. The Republican Party has nominated their 57th speaker candidate in the last two weeks. As we talk right now, it looks like Johnson has a shot. He's at 190. Hakeem Jeffries at 173. He only needs to get to 215, and this whole thing is over. And I hope it ends soon because I feel bad for Matt Gaetz. The guy's had to do so much TV the last two weeks, and I know he just hates that. (laughs) Clowns all over D.C., all over, both parties, everywhere you turn. But understand, on the world stage, okay, the Chiron on my channel. I work for Fox News. Hey, girl. And uh, I have been watching the TV. We have like eight TV screens in this radio studio I'm in because it keeps us apprised of like world events. If something happens, you know, breaking news, some development we need to pivot to, there you go. And you get your internal reporting and you confirm what you can on the air. Okay, so this started with me getting to the studio before the show today and it said Biden's speech at 1230. The Chiron has now been moved to Biden's speech 115. The Chiron is now Biden's speech any moment. Okay, which is Accurate. He will speak at some moments at some point in time when the B-12 kicks in. But when you announce to the world as the leader of the free world that you're going to do a very specific thing, when that specific thing doesn't happen, the rest of the world sees it as a lack of professionalism. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, if you show up to a job interview 20 minutes late, I got to be honest, it doesn't generally reflect well on you as a candidate. Okay, when you show up to a business deal, when you show up to a date, okay, when you're constantly running late, which is a hallmark of this administration, it is a hallmark of this administration. It demonstrates, uh, I guess, I guess a lower level of competency than we'd like to see when the world is on fire. I think he's got a point. It's crazy. But right now, the Chiron any moment. Johnson. 199 to 186 for Jeffries. Maybe Biden is waiting so he can comment on the new House Speaker. Do I believe that to actually be true? The answer would be no. No, stop it. Okay, Biden was meeting with the Prime Minister of Australia, uh, and now Biden is supposed to get out there and take a joint press conference, meaning live ammo, where he and the Australian Prime Minister are sitting there. One guy gets a question. The other guy gets a question. Okay, and that's the way it goes. But the last time we saw Biden in front of reporters on the plane, which was on the way back from the quick trip to Israel, everyone on his staff was treating the microphones like they were landmines that they were going to dive on to save a life because they were horrified over what might come out of his mouth. If you go back and look at the pictures of Blinken and Kirby, just look at the gestures of their eyes when they realize he's taking live questions. (laughs) Totally freaked out. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. But right now, as we count, 202 for Johnson, 194 for Jeffries, 195. 
Okay, and we got a clarification from the White House along the way. So KJP, if you remember, went out to the podium and said there was really nothing to be worried about when it comes to anti-Semitism in this country. You are so full of sh. But that was the take. Nah, we're nothing to worry about. We're not going to get into the college protest thing. Well, she caught enough holy hell on social media, you know, given that every Ivy League school in the country right now is out there chanting from the river to the sea. In the next hour of the show, we're going to tell you about the disgraceful, disgraceful episode at George Washington University that took place last night. But Corrine Jean-Pierre caught enough of a blowback yesterday that she went back out to the podium and made it a point to directly denounce uh, anti-Semitism. Clip 14. Talk to a lot of the protesters. You'll hear anti-Semitic comments. And we're going to always denounce denounce anti-Semitism. But at the same time, people have the right to peacefully protest. But we, in this administration, are going to always denounce anti-Semitism, any form of hate. Mm, Any form of hate. So has she called out Rashida Tlaib? The answer would be no. How about Ilhan Omar? The answer would be no. Anything for AOC? The answer would be no. No. KJP? You are so full of sh. They don't want to call it out in their own party because it's a political liability. They don't want to own the critique. If they say, hey, you can't do that, then people write news articles. White House trashes other Democrats, and the White House has to own the fact that there is a massive anti-Semitism problem in their party. So she gives you a little correction, still not by name, still not hitting the colleges by name because this is how you manage stories. You don't want to amplify them, give them more oxygen by speaking to them. And we talk about speaking. Why? Because Johnson now at 209, 209. For Mike Johnson, Hakeem Jeffries at 2.03. This is where it gets really tight. They're at 4.12. He needs to get to 2.15 to have a majority because we're looking at a 229, a 429 representative vote. It is 2.09 to 2.03. We're sticking with it for the moment if they can vote fast before we go to the commercial break. We don't want to miss this monumental moment. 2.10 to 2.03 for Mike Johnson. It is so close right now. He's at like the eight-yard line. 211 for Johnson. This is like they cut the Russian in Rocky Four. 212. He's not a machine. He's a man rock. 213 for Johnson to 203. Let's go live to the scene right now. You could be listening to history. Wild. 213 to 204. Ooh, so 213 to 205. Ooh, it's so close. Oh, Jeffries again, 206. Williams, New York. Well, we know where Williams is Johnson. going. Johnson gets one Williams, from New Texas. York, 214. Uh, and there it is. Mike Johnson, Wilson 215. Is that the official program number? Wilson of Florida. Hey, then he should have gotten it. Why are they not reacting in the chamber? Jeffries. They're a holdout? Wilson okay, they just let him vote. Wow. So Johnson. Mike Johnson, according to R. Chiron, Whitman. has hit the threshold Johnson. that puts him at 217. Womack. Mike Johnson appears to have won the next House Speaker seat. They're rounding out the tally, but you're about to hear some type of House standing ovation. or And there you go. The Republicans have a Speaker of the House. We're going to fold up this circus tent now.
put all the clowns in one giant car and send them home. Man, oh boy, oh man, an end to a very embarrassing chapter for the Republican Party. If Mike Johnson winds up reforming the appropriations process or does something about all the CRs or gets spending under control in Washington, this will be a win for the Republican Party. But as it stands right now, it's just the end of a prolonged clown show where everyone walking out of the chamber should get hit in the face with a bucket of confetti. Then they should pull their pants down and honk a horn. (laughs) Way to go, Congress. You did what we asked you to do in November of last year, you finally gave us a Speaker of the House. We can all go and celebrate now. Back after this. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Two twenty, the two oh nine. Your final, Louisiana's own Mike Johnson appears to be the next House Speaker in Washington D.C. Uh, Johnson hitting two twenty. Uh, the magic number was two fifteen, so he eclipsed that. Uh, and you saw some serious party unity in the stretch run of this vote, as no one voted other meaning wrote in a candidate beyond Johnson or Jeffries, and no one voted present. Uh, It would appear, I don't know if Johnson picked up a Democratic vote because they had 210 to give, uh, and Jeffries only got 209. Uh, That could have also been the end result of somebody voting present, which is what I think happened. We'll tally that up in the next break. Uh, But the big news is that Johnson uh, is about to get gaveled in. Uh, Patrick McHenry, uh, the Speaker pro tem, is in his bow tie as we speak serving his final stint in that position as acting speaker. And at some point, you will get Speaker Johnson uh, for the first time as the House Speaker. Gets to move into the fancy office that belonged to Kevin McCarthy and, of course, Nancy Pelosi before that. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. (laughs) Well, whatever you think of Nancy Pelosi, as Johnson assumes the gavel now, uh, you can only hope if you support conservative causes that he is half as effective as she was when it comes to rounding up the votes, because we might not think of Nancy Pelosi, you know, from a policy standpoint as someone who's done a lot of good for this country. But she's done a lot of good for her party, meaning the initiatives that they want to get enacted. OK, were ruthlessly, ruthlessly, you know, enacted uh, because she was essentially. Do you remember the scene at the beginning of uh, Animal House where he's like, if you mention extortion again, I'll have your legs broken. That was Nancy Pelosi, you know, in terms of funding. She could get everyone in Congress to do whatever the hell she wanted to uh, because she held the power of the purse and was like, you'll get primaried, you'll get ruined, do what I say. And everybody was like, "Okay, oh, no, totally. Yeah, no, they feared Nancy Pelosi. Uh, She was a phenomenal speaker in that regard when it comes to her ability to round up votes. When it comes to her policies, yee, I'd rather have her husband driving my car than her steering my country. And if you know anything about his driving record, not exactly throwing a perfect game out there. But the point is, uh, as we speak, the president 
uh, now heading out to a White House microphone. Uh, we're going to try to pick that up in the next hour if he's still speaking because it usually takes, you know, three or four minutes to get him going in the right direction. And sometimes he leaves early like he did yesterday. Gosh, I wish I was making this up. But this was the president of the United States. He was supposed to be addressing the world on Bidenomics and the conflict in Ukraine. And he told us straight up he had to go to the Situation Room. Here it is, clip 47. I apologize. I have to go to the Situation Room with another issue. I have to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Apologize. I have to go to the Situation Room. And the guy just left. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. Well, he might have been a bigger schmuck for staying because I think Situation Room was a euphemism for a different type of room. And I think if Biden had stayed on the podium a minute longer, he would have had a situation uh, far graver from a fashion standpoint to deal with. Defense wins championships, Joe. Now, if only he could place them at the southern border. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There he is, Jimmy. Jimmy, back in action. Big hour of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I was actually gathering news outside the studio. You are so full of sh- No, I can confirm as we get underway in this hour that we do have a new House speaker, something we reported earlier in the program. Uh, but the final vote tally, 220 to 209, Johnson and Jeffries. It does not appear that we had a Democrat defector uh, as of this reporting. Uh, but 888-788-9910, if you'd like to tell me otherwise, uh, Daniel Turner is going to be here. He is going to discuss our energy policy, specifically the fact that it's basically empowering most of the unrest that we're watching right now in the Middle East. Biden sucks. Ah, That's harsh. It's a harsh way to open the hour. This is a friendly show, okay? But Biden is at the White House right now. He is with Anthony Albanese, the prime minister of Australia. Uh, They are taking live questions. Uh, Albanese speaking at the moment, but we're going to dip into that as well. And, of course, we will get into your calls, texts, tweets, carrier pigeons, smoke signals, if Elizabeth Warren is listening. Okay, it's an all skate uh, on a show where we say every day to the point of exhaustion, uh, you can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a There it is as we get underway. Uh, If Biden says anything noteworthy, we will dip in. We aren't at the moment because Albanese is giving a rather long answer as it plays out on our screen. And uh, if you know anything about these bilateral press conferences, they play a prevent defense when it comes to Biden. They minimize his questions. As it stands, the pool reporter isn't even showing him on camera right now, which leads me to believe he probably did one of those fall asleep moves. That can't be good. I don't know that that's the case, but we've seen these before when he's in a bilateral and his head is on his chin. I believe he's speaking now. Josh, can we dip into that? Thank you, Mr. President. And Prime Minister Albanese, welcome to uh, Washington. Mr. President, I want to ask about the conflict, the war in the Middle East. 24 U.S. troops have been injured during 10 drone or rocket attacks on bases in Iraq and three in Syria over the past week. You've told Iran to, quote, be careful as your administration tries to prevent the Israeli-Hamas war from expanding into a larger Middle East conflict. 
But should Americans be worried that the war already is escalating? And after you answer that question, Good I'll question. ask one more follow-up, please. One or two more, huh? <laughs> Good Biden. Joey, look, uh, we have had troops in the region since 9-11 to go after ISIS and prevent its reemergence in, in both, anyway, in the region. Oh, this is bad. Having nothing to do with Israel at all. Mm-hmm. My warning to the Ayatollah was that if they continue to move against those troops, we will respond, and he should be prepared. It has nothing to do with Israel. Weird answer. Uh, because the question was about him saying to Iran specifically, don't. You know, what's your message? Don't, don't, don't. And understand, the Pentagon confirmed earlier in the day that our forces have been attacked at least 10 separate times in Iraq, three separate times in Syria. So 13 attacks since Biden told them don't. Uh, But they apparently lost it in translation and took it as do. Let's take the follow-up question because that was a weak answer. He's asking about the potential for a ground invasion. No. What I have indicated to him is that if that's possible to get these folks out safely, that's what he should do. It's their decision. But I did not demand it. I pointed out to him, if it's real, it should be done. Thank you. But aren't these hostages uh, in jeopardy if there is a ground invasion? You want to make a speech? (laughs) No, look. Obviously, they're in jeopardy. The question is whether or not there's any way of getting them out. If we can get them out, we should get them out. Prime Minister Albanese. Okay, so they're uh, about to go to the Australian PM. Uh, but Biden was just asked if he's worried about the potential to harm American hostages if, in fact, there is a ground invasion. His response to that is, do you want to give a speech? I don't really know what the angle was there. She's kind of trying to do shtick. Do you remember in the movie Casino when the De Niro voiceover, the movie's getting a little more ominous? And the Joe Pesci character isn't as effective anymore as a mafia enforcer. And De Niro goes, eventually, Nikki wasn't getting him down with one punch anymore. That's where we are with Biden when it comes to rhetoric. He's not getting him down with one punch anymore. Sometimes he'll give you a a phrase or a euphemism or a little trick, uh, but it doesn't necessarily apply to the conversation being had. It's just like, you know, it's a patchwork quilt of phrases he remembers, and sometimes he just busts them out whether it makes sense or not. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. But, you know, here we are. So Biden on the White House lawn. Anthony Albanese, uh, the prime minister of Australia, speaking right now. They're going back and forth. They're taking questions. But, uh, you know, applause to the media for asking that very simple question. Biden, after news had broken that Israel had been invaded, attacked, killed, massacred, horrific stuff. Biden's message to Iran and its proxies was don't. What do you say to people who are thinking about escalating the conflict taking the fight to Israel, taking the fight to our troops in the region. He said, don't, okay? Don't, don't, don't. That was the message. Don't, don't, don't. You gotta do better than that. And I say that, why? Because here is your Pentagon telling you we've been attacked 13 times since then. Clip four. Between October 17th and the 24th, U.S. and coalition forces have been attacked at least 10 separate times in Iraq and three separate times in Syria uh, via a mix of one-way attack drones and rockets. So understand, okay, 
That's 13 attacks. Does it sound like we're achieving, like, peace through strength with the message from Biden? The answer would be no. No. Okay, we've been attacked 13 times since he told them, don't. You have no idea how to defend a nation. I'm not trying to start World War III. I'm just trying to point out to you that they don't respect what's going on in the White House right now because it's pretty hard to do so. Remember last week when he was asked about the Israeli hospital and he said it was the other team? They've got to learn to shoot straight. That's what Biden said. We've got to learn to shoot straight. You don't have a clue. You can't tell our enemies to learn to shoot straight. The phraseology makes it sound like you want them to get better at killing our allies. That's true. That is true. I mean, if you wanted to be technical, I do believe he just told Iran to be prepared. Uh... You know, Jim Harbaugh supposedly stealing signs at Michigan. They've got this elaborate scheme. Uh, You don't have to steal signs against this team in the White House because Biden just gives away the play. Uh, Dennis, did you hear that? I did. I found that kind of confusing that he was telling our enemies ahead of time that they should be prepared to engage our troops. (laughs) Yo, it is not good. Uh, Man. You know, Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy, for two and a half years, um, all all bullies know that the best time to hit your enemy is not when he's standing facing you with two fists raised, but to do it when he's bent over painting his toenails. And for two and a half years, Biden and Millie and uh, Secretary Austin have had our military painting their toenails. (laughs) Listen, man. I'm just happy you got through that without misgendering any members of our generals or our military leadership because we'd get in a lot of trouble for that. (laughs) But no, you're not wrong. Okay, we fought a lot of the wrong battles. We're projecting weakness onto the world stage and his inability to stick the landing in a conversation. It really makes him a liability at a time like this. That's why I'm surprised he's out there. How much B-12 do you think they shot him up with? I think it strikes fear in our enemies when he hesitates and says, "Uh, anyway. (laughs) We heard a lot of anyways. But again, if the message was don't and we've been attacked 13 times since, does it sound like they're respecting the message, Dennis? Unbelievable. It doesn't. And and, uh, uh, these are very strange times, and and I don't know where this is going, but. We'll be back. I don't know if Kamala Harris can do worse. Yeah, well, there's that. Well, the good news is we have a House speaker, so something. I don't know. There's something. something. Uh, Good call, Dennis. You still got the old fastball. I appreciate you, my man. There he goes, the great Dennis in Salisbury, Vermont. I mean, if you're watching the guy in the White House and he's saying things like that, well, you know, Hamas has got to learn to shoot straight. That's what he said. You must have got manure for your brains. I mean, really, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Well, my message to Iran is be prepared. Wait, what? <laughs> my old high school football coach, my varsity coach, Freddie Bruno, great guy, legend. All of those coaches were fantastic. Coach DeCaro, liked him a lot. Coach Kassane was a good dude. Coach late great Coach Robbins. Played with a lot of great guys, Division Avenue. Uh, Smithwick, a lot of guys. I don't know. Don't know that they're listening, but I'm giving them some shout outs anyway. But uh, Coach Freddie Bruno, the funniest thing I could ever it'd be fourth and one, third and two. And he would literally from the sidelines, <laughs> he would yell to the running back, Jamie Colucci, number 34. OK, this is the head coach of the football team. Jamie, 
Squeeze the ball when he gives it to you. Are you stupid or something? (laughs) And we wouldn't be running play action. He was literally giving Jamie the ball. And he'd be like, Jamie, you got to remember to squeeze the ball. (laughs) That was our coach. And it's it's a wonder uh, that that varsity team didn't go on to win the county championships or the state title. Uh, The one after us did, but I can't blame it all on Freddie. I mean, it was a small matter of everyone on my varsity football team needing to quit drinking by the time we turned 21. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Well, it was a great way to go through high school. It's actually a great way to go through this White House press conference right now. They're still going back and forth. The Australian prime minister hogging the ball for most of this uh, because they're trying to run clock. I'm I'm patently amazed that Biden is out there. Uh, This goes back to what we saw on the plane last week. They're letting him face live ammo. He has an understanding of who's in the audience and asking him questions. But you're still starting to see the misfires where he applies the wrong phrase to the question or takes the context somewhere it's not supposed to be. But for the most part, he's, you know, getting through this. I mean, he hasn't wandered out mid-presser. He's not telling anybody he's Batman. You know, this is progress for this president, sadly. This is the the world we're living in. Uh, More from the White House after this. A show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as, and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. So I'm not completely losing it, by the way, during the commercial break. I was reading a tweet from the great Katie Pavlich, general in the Thaler Fashion Army, multimedia sensation here at Fox News and Town Hall and anywhere else she goes. It does not get any better than Katie Pavlich. It just doesn't. She's hilarious. Her family's phenomenal and she's brilliant. Uh, But she had the same reaction to the Biden presser that she did. Biden, this is her tweet. Biden asked about Iranian attacks on U.S. troops in recent days, injuring 24 soldiers. He totally dodged the question and said, never mind, pivoting and claiming it has nothing to do with Israel. It made no sense and certainly didn't issue any deterrence to Tehran. Bingo. The question was, your message to Iran was don't. Don't. Anyone thinking about attacking us? Don't. Well, now we've had 24 service members injured. We've been fired upon 13 different times at bases in Iraq and Syria. And Biden goes, well, that has nothing to do with Israel. Anyway, that's what we got. That was absolutely dreadful. I'm just telling you uh, as somebody who cares, okay, if the next election comes and goes and the vote uh, doesn't go my way, meaning I vote for a guy who doesn't win, okay, very possible. I don't root against that guy, okay, because whoever the president is, okay, as he goes, we go. That's the reason it feels like we're going off a cliff is because you've got a guy in office right now who is very well going off a cliff. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, Guys, when you are really at the precipice of like a global conflict, like you need strength, you need a unifying force in the White House. We are the people who hold this thing together. I've made the analogy a lot recently. But if you were ever fighting with your younger siblings, you know, 
You might have had a parent who had the ability to yell, knock it off. Hey, knock it off. That whole thing. And it got your attention. And everybody was like, oh, uh, we better knock it off. That can't be good. Exactly. We better. (laughs) We better calm down. We're going to be in some trouble here. And that's what it was. You know, when you heard knock it off, that was your parent telling you. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Okay, but we're not saying that now. Okay, we have a president who's, you know, making up words half the time. Uh, or talking about some other, like, woke climate priority for our military. Everything woke turns to We need solar-powered tanks or something. I don't know. They don't know what's going on. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And, uh, you know, I'm not on the air as, like, a right-wing political agitator. I just want the country to do good. I would love, okay, the show's called Fox Across America. I would love to spend 75 80% of my day talking about things happening around the country that don't involve Washington, D.C. You want to know why? It's because Washington, D.C. absolutely sucks, okay? They are terrible in this moment. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, it's just a dread, okay, in that regard. Because you're just, you're sitting here. Every day of covering politics with the current crop of people in office, have you ever watched Wheel of Fortune where you know the answer to the phrase but the contestant doesn't and you're just losing your mind? It's like it's a movie, okay? And so far they have the letter A spelled out followed by the letter F, the letter E, the letter W, okay? A few Okay, then they have the letter G-O-O-D are all spelled out good. And then they have (laughs) just an E and an N. A few good N. And what's the worst? What's the word? And the contestant's like, oh, uh, a few good 10. A few good pen. And you're sitting there like, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. (laughs) That's what this administration is like. You're like, it's a few good men. Come on. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) That's what covering politics is like in this day and age. You know, so if I had it my way, Fox Across America, I don't know what we'd be talking about. Somebody got laid at the prom. I don't know. (laughs) Something going on on another side of the country. Uh, But we do have a new House speaker. That's a positive. But we have a crippling level of incompetence at the Resolute Desk. And what Daniel Turner is going to be joining us to talk about in the next break, Daniel Turner is the executive director of Power the Future. And he's a guy that will talk to you about, you know, our needs as a country when it comes to powering the population. The need for more fossil fuel production in this country and not less. The need for more reliance on gas-powered vehicles and not less. And how going in the opposite direction is not only enriching our enemies across the globe, but it's causing more pollution in the process. Why? Because the environmental wing. They're crazy. They're not all crazy. Okay, the people who believe them are crazy. Okay, but the people pushing the policies are loaded. Please give us money. That's the hook here. They've gotten the crazy people, the stupid people, the self-righteous people to fill up that collection plate by promising them that the world's going to end every 10 years. Money, 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 money. But the world doesn't end. But the collection plate keeps on going. Pay up, suckers.
Well, the world is on fire, but our next guest is in a decent mood because none of the teams we hate are in the World Series. Joining us now to confirm that, Executive Director of Power the Future and Yankee fan Daniel Turner is here. Hey, man. <laughs> Boom. It's, it has been a rough year for it to be a New York sports fan. Oh, it's man. been a rough couple of years, Jimmy, to be a New York sports <laughs> fan. But, you know, we, we, we build back and come back next year with the same hope we always do. Yeah, the Yankees might build back better. I mean, if you're going to talk about sports, <laughs> it's, been a much, it's been a rougher year to be an America fan than a Yankee fan. At least, you know, the Yankees at least. We felt like we had hope in, like, June and July. I, I can't cycle back to June and July. That was when we were trying to figure out whose cocaine was in the White House. I don't know yeah. that we ever felt like a pennant contender with this administration this summer. Did we ever find out whose cocaine that was? No, we were told we weren't allowed to ask. Do you remember when KJP oh, was like, how dare you ask whose cocaine? Can, <laughs> just because there's a member of the family with pictures of himself doing cocaine all over the Internet doesn't mean to have any right to suspect him. It was crazy. <laughs> crazy. Well, there's some optimism happening. It looks like they they picked the speaker. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I was listening to the, to the remarks of the, the new speaker, Mike Johnson, very eloquent, very mm-hmm. humble, very seems like a very likable guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've been a fan of his since he came into Congress in, in seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit of hope, you yeah. know. And I tweeted a little earlier that all right, Republicans were a disaster for a couple of weeks, um, and they got their act together and unanimously voted for a speaker. But Democrats in Congress still have a lot of pro-Hamas terrorist sympathizers in their <laughs> so caucus. Crazy. So we win, right? We win. <laughs> hey, uh, Daniel Turner's on the line. We're talking about the newly elected House Speaker, uh, Representative Mike Johnson from Louisiana. And I believe that they're going to put a motion on the floor to condemn the anti-Semitism in the Democrat Party. So yeah. he is not going for unity with this opening act. You know, Hakeem Jeffries stood up, gave a big speech, big partisan speech about the election. Never mind that Hakeem Jeffries said the last election was stolen in 2016. But it sounds like it's going to be pretty contentious. It it is. And and there's a lot of Democrats who have called for that resolution as well. Mm -hmm. And and that shows you how there is splintering in the Democrat Party. And there should be. I have always believed that the last three weeks of this infighting in Republicans – I have I've I've thought it's been wonderful. I don't want unity around some of these issues that they tell us to get behind, whether it's spending in Ukraine, whether it's open border, whether it's 33 trillion dollars in debt. I'm glad there's a lot of Republicans who are like business as usual is failing us, folks. We need a little bit of an internal revolt. And so when Democrats say, look, we are all united, united about what? Mutilating children? United about anti-Semitism? So you're united, but woof, I I don't want to be united with you folks at all. Good. Well said. Uh, And it's true. You know, when you look out at the last three weeks, you'll probably remember them in history as the only time in history that Congress cut spending. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. You know, I I don't mind the fact that for three weeks we didn't authorize any new you know programs to study mating patterns in in, in pygmy squirrels. Right. I'm glad that we haven't had some of these enormous spending bills. And and this is going to be the big impetus on this this new speaker. This this resolution to condemn anti-Semitism, which as a New Yorker, I got to tell you, is very daunting. You know, mm. if you grew up in New York or in the island. You grew up – if you weren't Jewish, you grew up with Jewish people the way you grew up with Italian yep. people, the way you grew up with black people. They're just part of the community, a part of the big mishmash that is New York City yep. to see this incredible rise of, of 
of calling for the death of Jews in New York yeah. is is beyond horrifying. And to see the silence of people like Chuck Schumer and 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 Bill de Blasio, you know, famous Jewish New York Michael Bloomberg, famous New York Jewish politicians who also happen to be Democrats. Who are saying, boy, where does my party lie? Where does my loyalty lie? Does it lie with being a Democrat, or does it lie with with being, uh, uh, you know, pro freedom? And it seems that the Democrat part has won. Yeah, it's crazy. What they're trying to do in the party is anyone who's condemned it won't condemn it by name. Like KJP, they won't specifically say to leave. You yeah. know, they won't specifically say Ayanna Presley. Um, so that's what we're getting. You know, even the Democrats who have taken the, what would seemingly be the right side of this have done so in the most politically expedient manner possible. And I think that's the lesson here, man, is that the people don't matter as much as the politics. So if the end result of a Mike Johnson speakership is that the Republicans actually seize the gavel of giving a rat's ass, <laughs> this could be a big step forward for the party um but yeah, let, let, me, let me ask you this is. daniel turner though because you're an energy expert we got to do this really quickly uh, i gotta make you do some adulting all right with okay. your with your baseball references <laughs> hold on a second <laughs> all right let's talk about this is our energy policy empowering some of the chaos we're seeing in the middle east oh 100 percent hundred percent and it's a two-step scenario okay. right you can say joe biden's energy policy caused the Iraq, uh, the, the, the Iranian uh, paid invasion of or attacks on Israel. You can't say that Joe Biden energy policy caused the invasion of Ukraine either. But you can say that Joe Biden energy policies have drastically raised the price of oil and gas on the, mar- on the world market. Mm-hmm. And bad actors who have oil and gas are now flush with cash, and those bad actors go to war. Yep. Right, our own oil and gas industry. How many times have CEOs been hauled before Congress, where they've been told that they're greedy and they have record profits? All that is true, by the way. They yep. have record profits because of these of these energy policies. They've driven up the price of oil. Yeah. If you're an American energy company, though, you give a higher dividend to your shareholders. You you give your team bonuses. But if you're Iran, you build bombs and and you fund Hezbollah and Hamas. Or if you're Vladimir Putin, you pay off more soldiers to build a bigger army and you invade Ukraine. So absolutely, it is not one step. It is two steps. But Mm -hmm. there is a a direct linear path from energy policies to our national security. And it's always going to be that way. Oh, this is so incredible. We're talking to Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power of the Future. One of the trades, I'll bring you back to baseball parlance, uh, but we're apparently trading with Venezuela. Uh, We're going to import (laughs) millions of dollars of their oil in return for a promise from their dictator that they're going to have free and fair elections. Are we being laughed at, Daniel Turner? We used to trade with Venezuela for lefty pitchers. <laughs> um, that, that's no longer the day. So, yeah, it, it, it's 100 uh, percent the case. This is an administration that wants to outsource our energy. Biden said, look, we're going to need oil for at least 10 more years at the January State of the Union. If yep. you recall, everybody laughed at him. Yep. Um, but but that doesn't necessarily mean that that oil has to come from America. Yes. Um, he has made very overt overtures to Iran, to Venezuela, to Saudi Arabia. He went in person to OPEC Plus. He wants to buy oil from overseas. He does yes. not want it to come from America. So yeah, we're making these promises um, with with some pretty bad actors, right? And you yeah. you could yeah. put Maduro in that camp. You could put the Ayatollah in that camp, and yet. 
Who are the ones getting their sanctions removed? Right? Who are the ones that we're negotiating with? Look, we're just negotiating with Iran to try to come up with a solution. Boy, I bet you there's a CEO of an oil and gas company who would like to have such uh, open conversations because you guys just kick us in the teeth all the time. All the time, man. And that's the part that I think is so crazy is that even with all of this, you know, the commitment to, you know, we need to outsource production. We're not actually making the environment any cleaner because, as you've said on the show, we produce it cleaner here, do we not? We do. We produce it cleaner here just because of the viscosity and the lack of sulfur. Those are the two things that make refining uh, crude oil very uh, labor-intensive and mm -hmm. energy-intensive is how thick it is, how viscous it is, and how much sulfur it has. American oil is among the best in the world. But also it's got to be transported, right? Yeah. If we're getting oil from Venezuela, it's got to get here. And Venezuela is not next door. Mm -hmm. So we're loading it on, on ships. That's one form of transportation. Mm -hmm. Those ships are going to traverse the, the oceans. Wait, these are not solar-powered ships? <laughs> Wait a minute. I was told those windmills that are killing the whales are going to get me yeah. some oil. No? They're so, they're, they are wind-powered oil barges. Now, they will get here sometime in 2027, right? Um, but, but they are wind-powered. So, yeah, so we're, we're so progressive. We're going back to the days of Ponce de Leon and, and de Soto, right? And that's how progressive – that is the leftist agenda, though. Yeah. It's so progressive that it, it brings us back to the Stone Age. Um, <laughs> how progressive is it to tell people to ride your bike to work? It's freezing in, 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 in the Northeast now, and it's going to get colder, and soon there's going to be snow. And what do they say? We need to shovel bike lanes. That's not <laughs> it's, progress. Yo. Right? So progress is always going backwards when you're the left. Can I tell you it's funny that you say that? Because here in New York, as you know, the greatest source of pollution is not people's pizza ovens or their hot water filters or their gas stoves. It's traffic. And what yep. they're doing in New York right now, this it blows my mind, okay? But at the Midtown Tunnel, okay, the entrance to the Midtown Tunnel, as you know, is at 36th Street and 2nd Avenue, okay? So 2nd Avenue only heads south, and 98% of the traffic on 2nd Avenue wants to make a left and go into the Midtown Tunnel. That's what it's doing there. So they have this left turn into the tunnel, which is also accessed from 36th Street itself, which heads eastbound in its entirety, and everyone on 36th Street wants to go into the tunnel. So what you're dealing with the Midtown Tunnel right now, this is insane, okay, is you've got 8 million people wanting to make a left into the tunnel. You've got another 8 million people wanting to go straight into the tunnel. But before either street can access the tunnel, Okay, they have a bike lane with its own green and red lights. <laughs> so picture this, Daniel Turner. It's four thirty on a Friday. It's like Memorial Day yeah. weekend. There's literally eight million cars waiting to get out of the tunnel, and we're waiting for one delivery guy, maybe on a bicycle, yeah. to make his to go straight. He can only go straight. But the point is, we can't do anything till the guy on the bike goes straight. They're causing more pollution. Is the point? Absolutely. They're causing all those cars to idle. And what they're really doing, because this is deliberate, what they're really doing is they're making you hate being in your car. Yep. And they hope that if you hate it enough, maybe you will give it up. And proof of that is why they talk so so proudly about high gas prices. Pete Buttigieg will say, you know what the solution to $5 gas is? Mm -hmm. Buy an EV. And they laugh at it. You wouldn't have this problem if you had an EV. So this is a government that believes if they punish your lifestyle enough – 
you will change the way you, you, you live. You will change your behavior to something that they approve of. You know, we've talked about this before, and, of course, I know you love it because you were a former cabbie. But, you know, look at 10th Avenue. It used to have five lanes of traffic, and mm-hmm. during the non-rush hours, it was three, and there were two lanes of parking on either side. Yep. Well, now there's two lanes of traffic, a bike lane, a bus line, a bus lane, and then they'll tell you, boy, the gridlock on 10th Avenue is just insane. And you want to say the gridlock is caused by you. You created the gridlock. It used to run great, right? But that's deliberate. They want you to hate being in your car, so they use transportation that they want, which is get murdered and stabbed on the subway or use one of those stupid bicycles. It is amazing. Like someone like legitimately went into a meeting at the highest level of government and was like, you know how we're going to combat pollution, right? We're going to cause more pollution. Of course, more pollution. (laughs) Hey, Daniel, listen, listen. Everyone knows we have gambling issues here at Fox, so we're going to hold a poker tournament to raise awareness for the gambling problem we're having. Exactly. We're going to eat our way out of obesity. You know, it's it's the same same mentality. Um, And this is where government power is is truly ab- abusive, and you see this at the local and state level. Um, Bloomberg was the king of this. Mm-hmm. He didn't like you. I, he, remember he used to hand out the amount of summonses he would hand out for people he would consider loitering? Yeah. The guy would say, I'm standing outside having a cigarette. Nope, $15 fine. Yeah. We don't want you standing around outside. <laughs> I mean, Bloomberg took it to the extreme. Remember the yes. sodas? You can't have a big soda. I don't want you to do that. <laughs> and this is where government power is. This is not why we fought a revolution 247 years ago, that's for sure. I say that all. That's so funny. It's so true. You know, the Constitution exists so the government doesn't control us. That was the whole point. Yeah. And uh, they do, though. That's that's what drives me crazy, man. Uh, I enjoy the theater, though. Like, I enjoy the story you told me about where Pete Booty Judge pretended to ride his bike to work by driving in an SUV until he was a block from the office and then getting yep. out to film himself riding to work on his bike only to be filmed by someone else. helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Does Pete Booty Judge ride a bike with a bell on the handlebars? He strikes me as someone who would. He probably does in a little basket with a baguette in it as well. <laughs> a little um, French yeah, baguette. Exactly. It, it is the theater of the absurd. Um, and just, just be honest and say, I'm the Secretary of Transportation. I'm not taking a bike. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I ride an SUV. This is yeah. why I wanted the job. You, so you know, it, yeah, you know who wouldn't ride a bike? Sheila Jackson Lee. Have you been following that story? <laughs> so. This is you'll appreciate this more than anybody like uh, the other night I was on Waters World and we were specifically talking about the leaked tape of Sheila Jackson liberating her staff. But I did a deep dive to prepare for the hit and was reading about the fact that she is considered like worse than Al Qaeda on a commercial airline. And I didn't know it dates back to 1995. But two airlines, Continental, which is now defunct, uh, actually banned her. They had their head of government outreach reach out and say, like, you can't fly on the airline anymore because you're such like a, a lunatic to the staff and then united had to apologize give away a 500 dollars voucher because she just flat stole a woman's seat like a woman who wanted to get on a plane with her kid and she was like tell your mom who i am (laughs) that was that exactly I don't know a single person who has worked on the Hill who has a positive interaction with the congresswoman. She is known for years, and I've been you know, doing uh-huh. this for 20-plus. She is known to be uh, an abusive, uh, berates her staff. She, she goes through staff like we go through underwear, um, uh, and it's because people can't put up with it. And so if you want proof that the patriarchy is false or white supremacy is false, if there was a tape, Jimmy, of you talking to your wonderful producers that way, you'd be out of a job tomorrow. But if she Jackson Lee is caught on tape talking that way. 
they just say, hey, everybody, did you know acid rain is a real problem? And, and, and they just change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> and away we go. Everybody into the bike lane. we got to save this planet. Good stuff, Daniel Turner, as always. Uh, I appreciate a minute of your time. It is, it's a straight circus, okay? We're being run by, like, gov- the government should have the decency to hit us in the face with a bucket of confetti from time to time. Because it is. Mm-hmm. It's like a Harlem Globetrotters performance we're watching right now. But uh, you, you made it lighter. You talked me off the ledge, so take a bow, Daniel <laughs> Turner. We'll do it again. Thank you, Thanks, Danny. brother. The best. There he goes. Daniel Turner, there we go back after this. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. Bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Reese has a message of hope and unity that he'd like to leave us with today. He's in Sheridan, Wyoming. Yo, Reese! Mr. Jimmy Fallon, Mega Dittos. How about it? Quality State. How are you, sir? We're good, man. Uh, we got a House Speaker. I guess that's a step in the right direction, and I understand you have some additional positive spin to put on the world right now. You know, Rush used to always tell us he'll let us know when it's time to panic. <laughs> but then he would also say... It's never going to be time to panic because he always believes in America and the things that make us the great nation that we are, right? Mm -hmm. And so I guess I was just kind of wondering what your thoughts were around that. And, you know, the world's on fire. House and Senate and all that political stuff is so crazy. But where do you leave your listener? Well, with, uh, here's the truth. A sign of hope. Like, like here, yeah. our better days are ahead of us. Oh, of course they are. Here's the thing, Reese. The, I have uh, immense faith in the American people. I have no faith in the people running the country right now. So we're basically like a championship team that needs a new head coach. And we're a coaching change away from winning the whole damn thing. That's where we find ourselves now. Like, the country's going to be fine, but the people running it aren't going to be around for much longer because they've done a horrific job of doing the gig. So the show's over. Pay up, get out, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.